Hello and welcome to another episode of the Working From Wisdom podcast. And in this episode, I have two guests. I am really delighted to be joined by Jacqueline Hollows and Omar Wilson, who are both from Beyond Recovery. Beyond Recovery is a social enterprise and they help people who have become embroiled in the criminal justice system. And in particular, you know, people who are struggling with issues around addiction and mental health and repeat offending behavior. And Jacqueline's background is in the corporate sector and she decided to start Beyond Recovery after she came across this understanding, the three principles, which I regularly speak to with my other guests. Omar was himself um, somebody who was part of the criminal justice system and came across Beyond Recovery while he was in prison. And he is now one of the directors of the programme. And I've heard them speak in the past, which I will allude to in our conversation. And I find the work that they are doing so moving in, in the sense that it just fills me with hope around how we all have the ability to transform and to, to get to a point where it no longer makes sense to do things that really hurts ourselves and hurts other people in the process. And we spoke a little bit about this Jacqueline in our conversation, and, and I really enjoyed very, speaking very welcome to with my podcast. Thank Jacqueline you for joining me. and Omar. Thank you. Yeah, and really here's the here. chat that we had. Hope you enjoy. So, as I was saying to you just before I hit record, um, when I heard you speaking at the 3P UK conference, you had me in floods of tears. And I'm not a crier. So that was kind of, uh, it, it was a shock for me. But it, it was because of, because of the hope and, um, and the beauty that I heard in, in what you were all sharing. And, and I think it was just that there was so much love in that space as well, that it was really, really impactful. And um, yeah, so maybe Jacqueline, we'll start a little bit with you and and your journey with Beyond Recovery, because it's it's a really beautiful um, program that that you are running. And I'd love to hear what it has meant for you and what it has what it has brought up for you, what you have seen from being involved in it since you you started the program. Wow. Uh, you need a whole episode. <laughs> um, um, I'll summarise with what's occurring to me to me right now. So just really briefly, my background was in IT and customer services. So I wasn't I wasn't from a mental health background or anything like that. And I feel really grateful to have been guided to to share in this work and initially with in the community with people in recovery just volunteering just just working full-time and volunteering in the community which then led me to prison and and working in prisons which we've been doing for the last five years and it's a horrible 
place, hard place to work. Um, and, and people, the public say, oh, but that's really hard. And, and they mean because of the residents, but it, it, the residents are the joy part of it. Um, the hardness is the environment's hard and getting in's hard and getting people to notice what you're doing's hard and, and all of that stuff. But when you're following your heart, that doesn't really matter. Like you, you just overcome those things. You're just like, yeah, okay, well, you know, there's no funding. Okay, well, we'll do this instead. And, you know, you just, you just can't help yourself. And I'm really glad that that's the path that that led me because it was transformative for many, many people and not least myself. You know, I've learned such a lot from the people that I've worked with, um, from following that heart, from overcoming the challenges. I've, I've just learned and reset and learn again and reset and learn again and and I, I feel truly blessed to have been able to do that and to to fast forward to now when you know we've got Omar here who's now a director with me and Derek of course who isn't here at the moment running the business you know that I started from an insight and just follow that that to me that's like phenomenal that it feels like mind-blowing because I never imagined that that would be the case. Like that wasn't on my mind. And then to have gone through all of that, and then that's the, the current situation, um, and the way that we're all helping. You know, we we uh, co-create everything and help other people, and you know, it's just mind blowing. So, um, you know, that's a real brief synopsis of of my story so far, and the things the way that I've been humbled by my experience, um, seeing through my judgments, seeing through my expectations, <laughs> um, seeing, seeing to myself, you know, seeing what I'm made of and the essence of me, that's all come about because of the blessings of being able to work with people really who have been uh, written off often and sometimes they've written themselves off and being able to go in and shed a little bit of light there is just yeah it, it's it's an incredible work it's so, so one of our investors said it's God's work and um I, I really like that saying you know I'm not religious or anything but it does feel like it's it's God's work <laughs> yeah it, and it does. And I guess if you equate God to love, then that's what it feels like, you know, something that has come from a place of love. And, and, and isn't it beautiful when, when we allow that to just kind of come through us, it just does what it's meant to do. And, and like you said, you know, to have Omar and Derek as part of the business now, you didn't need to have that planned because that was just that just took on a life of its own. Um, and the judgment I think was, was a big thing that, that I took from, from listening to you on the call as well. And, and especially to you, Omar, um, and you said something about when you were 13, that you could see that you were losing yourself. 
And that really just, oh, that hit me because we're so, we're so quick to, to look at people by their circumstances or by the decisions that they've made and say, oh, they're just a bad person. You know, and even my kids when they were in school and if there were kids acting out, I used to always say to them, they're not bad, they're just sad. You know, there's, there's a difference. And I just, to me, that really was something that, that was such an important message that you saw, you know, you knew on some level, you knew that you were going down a wrong path. You didn't know, I guess, what else to do. Could you speak to that a little bit? Because that was, I thought, really moving. Um, no, I appreciate that, uh, Tracy. It's, um, I think it's awareness. For me, in a lot of situations in my life, it was awareness, and I didn't have the awareness that I have now. And through 13, that, that age was a difficult age for me because... I was also shown a lot of love by one of my role models, which that same love, I feel it today in how I talk to people and how I view with people. And that same love, I recognise it. And that was that love I was shown. And I feel like that love was making me blossom until he was killed. And I didn't have the awareness of the thought process I was going down. I just felt it and it felt right. So he was a really good guy and he done everything good. He never done crime. He never, he weren't bad to nobody. He, he had, he was well known by everybody and in his school because he was such a good guy. And I was the opposite, but he showed me that goodness and I felt like I was flourishing until that was taken away. And I felt like what was the chance for me surviving and, living and being happy if this is this is what happens to good people so instantly that led me down a path of well I don't need to be good because it doesn't bring you anything and I believed in that thought process um I don't think well I think it led me to be open to anything it didn't lead me to I didn't judge selling drugs I didn't weigh up the pros and cons. I just went for it. I was open to it. I saw what was happening. There was money. I just went for it. And now I have the awareness to see that my feelings will guide me. I know that when I'm feeling upset, I'm thinking upset thoughts. So I'm thinking my thought process is not, is not making me feel good. So I relax. And I feel like if I, I could have done that then, I could have relaxed, I could have looked at it, I could have let it sit for a couple of days. I didn't have to react and do certain things, but I did. And I'll, the best thing about it is I see the innocence in it. I think that's the most, for me, that's special to see the innocence in how I was thinking and what made me go down those paths and how I chose to go certain places. And it was all justified to me. And that's the innocence. The innocence is what the innocence is that it was justified to me. And I didn't second guess them, I just went with it. But I think the true power and the power that I feel that I 
operate now is the power to see that innocence in somebody else. Because I think it's way easier to see innocence in yourself than somebody else because they might do something that you just don't know about or don't comprehend or in the law it says it's bad or whatever, a book says it's bad or whatever. And to see that person's innocence and why they did that, how they did that, I feel like that's truly special. And that's, I feel like I've been gifted with that via Beyond Recovery because where I'm from, there's a lot of stuff we don't believe in. And I kind of grew up with that and followed that. And I can see the innocence in it now, but my friends don't. And I see the innocence in that too, which <laughs> I feel like, wow, like before I probably would have argued <laughs> them to see the innocence in this person, but now I can see the innocence in their thought process about this person, which it opens me up more. And I don't try to preach, I just my little one twos in and sometimes like a lot of times they disagree and roll over it and that doesn't matter to me anymore because I see the innocence in how they're speaking and I know how they create because I create the same way. So I see the innocence and I think that's what's kind of guided me on this path, just seeing that innocence and being aware of where I'm at and where other people could be at. And that's really a gift because it's easy to see the innocence and then go, yeah, but in this case, it's different. You know, you can sort of see like, yeah, I know it's their state of mind. Yeah, but they're a bit closer to me. So it's annoying me even more. And, and you know, there's something very powerful in being able to continue to see that in people because it's easy to kind of fall out of that. Um, and, and I loved what you said kind of about seeing the innocence in yourself. And, and, you know, that's something that I guess I've, with myself and with a lot of people who I'm working with, is that layer of self-judgment that can get in the way of um, our, our healing and, and, and seeing that, that deeper wisdom in us. I wonder, you know, Jacqueline, is that something that when you're working with people, you know, that self-judgment and that self-criticism, is that a huge part of the work that you do? Yeah, it is, Tracy. And, and unfortunately, I was just reflecting on that because I loved what Wilson, uh, what Omar was saying, because I, I saw that it's something that he really sees deeply. So he's he's seeing through, he's seeing through those eyes when he's looking at things and he's aware when that's off. So he's able to, to feel that. And I was reflecting on like, what, what is he seeing deeply? And it reminded me that in the prison system and in society, in fact, um, people are taught to self-judge. Pe people are taught, especially in prison, the other interventions, God bless them, they're all trying to do the right thing, but in their sort of not so right direction, they're trying to teach people to feel guilty about what they did, uh, to, uh, to be uh, remorseful, um, to have victim empathy. You know, they're trying to teach people that these are bad things and you, you must see them as bad things, otherwise you'll do them again. 
And it, I just realized when you were talking, of course, that gets reinforced to you constantly. And let's say you've been in the system in some way from a young age, you know, like through the care system or through, through where you live or whatever, that is reinforced constantly. And no wonder we grow up with all of these self-judgments. And then in society generally, and you only have to think about social media to see that there's, there's this reinforcement of judging ourselves and comparing ourselves and so on. And what I heard just then was because of the direction of the understanding that we're, we're looking at when we, we talk to people and when we were in groups and when we turn up with all of this love uh, into a system like the prison system, I think Derek said it before, I've never had anyone look at me like that. Oh, you've said it as well. Yeah. I've never had anyone look at me like that. Knowing that we're looking at that person with, with pure sort of almost, rather than say with love, but with neutrality, like, oh, who are you? Not, okay, I've got your sheet here and you've done this and do it, you've done that. So now I've made my mind up about who you are. Let's see if I can change you. <laughs> Even with the best intentions is actually, we're turning up with who, who are you underneath all of that? And inquisitive and curious yeah. about that. And it just, just literally occurred to me when Omar was speaking, that's what they're responding to. So they're going, who am I underneath all of that? So that light and in, in interest is sparking that light within the other person. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what that's, yeah. It's, so based on what you just said, it's, in prison, we basically categorize things. So you would go to a course, depending on your category. Mm -hmm. So you will go to Alcohol Anonymous, you will go to um, Narcotics Anonymous, or you would go to a drug group or like cannabis, or you'll go to one of these groups, um, depending on which category you put yourself in. But Beyond Recovery was not in no category. It's like, as soon as we went there, what do we do? What do you expect? Like, what, what's going on? What, what are we here for? <laughs> there was nothing. There was no, we didn't know. There was no category. And they said the weirdest things ever. Like, you don't have to remember anything. You don't have to write anything down. You don't even have to get it. Just listen for a feeling. <laughs> what? My brain was blown because... <laughs> I'm used to categorizing. <laughs> I'm used to category. I'm used to okay. We're here for drugs. Ah, right, we're going to talk about drugs. Ah, right, we're here for bad crime. We're going to talk about bad crime. And within this group, exactly what Mama J said. Um, when they looked at you, they didn't look at anything you gave them. They looked straight past that, which is annoying <laughs> because anybody in the system you give your they look at you, they look at what you give them. Do you know what I mean? They look at your clothes or how you dress or how you walk or how you talk. And that's what they look at. And then their reaction is kind of based off that. But with Beyond Recovery, I'm kind of just realizing now there was none of that. It, it, it took about a year and a bit before they even knew what I did. Nobody asked me, what crime did you do? Why are you here? What are you, what are you running from? What do you not want to do? What do you, none of that. What's bad to you? What's good? What's this is bad? That's good. None of that occurred in the conversation. There was actually no categorizing. 
in this conversation. It was just a pure conversation about what could be, if that makes sense. It's not even like, this is what it is. It's like, maybe it could be this, or it could be that. Let's talk about, and off that alone, you find your own navigation. Like Beyond Recovery never once even hinted to me, don't do crime. They never once said that to me. Don't do crime, whatever you did was bad. I don't believe in it, don't do crime. I came to that conclusion on my, by myself. And it's like, even when I came out of prison and I was faced with my old lifestyle, somehow it didn't feel right anymore. And I feel like Beyond Recovery gave me the tools to install that instead of trying to install that for me. And I feel like that's what the system innocently gets wrong. They think they can go under the hood and install a anti-crime device. <laughs> but it's, you install that yourself. You just have to get given the tools, which Beyond Recovery did perfectly because I'm sitting here right now mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm crimeless. I'm, it doesn't even really enter my mind because it doesn't feel right anymore. And it's crazy because I still listen to the same music and my music is, it's probably not good music. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They talk about <laughs> killing and drugs and stuff and it's, it's not good music, but I like it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Okay, I like that's it. what my 15 year old son listens to as well. So that's yeah, it. Yeah, I, I find it interesting how they get words and they piece them together and they rhyme and they, and I love that. Do you know what I mean? And before I used to, when I'm driving, I, my music's blaring and I, I stop past and I'm next to an old lady, I'll turn it down. Cause I wouldn't want them to think, oh, he's some, but now it's like, I'm free of that. I love what I love. And I know that the music doesn't make, that that music doesn't make me, me. I like that music, but that doesn't mean I am that music, if that makes sense. Mm. So it's that like, even that judgment for myself, I've, I've stopped all of that and I'm, I just feel free. Right. Oh, I love that. And, you know, that speaks to so much, Omar, because, you know, they categorize people in prisons, they categorize people in schools, we categorize people in workplaces. And and all it does is it takes us away from our own wisdom. You know, and, and like for such a long time, I had so much conflict going on between this is what the outside world says my life should look like. And these are the things that I'm supposed to do. But knowing someplace that that doesn't feel right for me, you know, and people used to call me a rebel because I kind of wanted to do my own thing. And that wasn't what it was. And I, and I thought that that was again, but that was putting me in a category that I was this, you know, rebel doing my own thing. That wasn't it at all. It was that my wisdom was guiding me someplace that all of this conditioning didn't necessarily agree with. And even before I came across the principles, there was, that was starting to show up for me. And I used to drink a lot in particular after my marriage broke down and kind of just went through a lot of shit for a few years. And, and alcohol was my, um, that was my thing, you know, because it was all that I knew to do in that state of mind. It made sense to me. And as I started to settle down in my thinking, 
it just didn't make sense to me to drink anymore. You know, it wasn't that I needed to be in a category of, oh, you're an alcoholic or you're this. It was just, it did not make sense. And I just stopped. And since then, it just has not made sense for me to start drinking again. And, and I think that's kind of what you spoke to, Omar, is that, you know, you were involved in crime because it was the only thing that made sense for you to do with the thinking that you had in that moment. And when you had different thinking, that just didn't make sense anymore. Definitely. And I feel like this comes in life. Life shows us this, but it's that awareness. We're not aware of it. And I realised this because I spoke about this before. Like As a kid, I was scared of the dark and I was scared of my room door being closed because I, I don't even know. I was scared of the room door being closed. And then I remember that upgraded to, I was scared of it being open now because maybe I might look there and there might be a figure or something and... And then I got older and then I forgot about them. <laughs> Meaning that I didn't try to change it. I didn't try to not be scared of the dark. I didn't try to not be scared of the door open or door. And I didn't try to dive into it. One day, it didn't make sense. Do you know what I mean? And I really, I don't know what day that was. I don't know when. I never tried it. It just didn't make sense. And I wasn't scared of the dark. And that just shows me that there's nothing that needs to be done. It's literally just the thought process change. Because now my thought process has changed, like, oh, I don't care about that. I don't. It automatically drops away. Same way with the alcohol for you, same way with a lot of things in life. As from kids, a lot of things have dropped away that we haven't tried to drop away. <laughs> and then now we're here. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, that's life's secret, the showing us that things will drop away <laughs> you don't have to do it like you like I appreciate um AA but because I went to every course in prison so I went to AA and I'm not an alcoholic but I went there because I wanted to just know and I learned a lot of good things in there but I also see the innocence of and um, when they say oh I'm powerless to alcohol to me I don't see that at all you're not powerless to alcohol. Yeah, you're only powerless to your thoughts you create. So if you create the thought that you're powerless to alcohol, then it will be like that. Mm. And <laughs> but if you tell yourself the opposite and you can create the opposite, then alcohol will have no power. And that's a thing of the mind. Obviously, the body has a lot to do with it, and that when we consume and our minds and body. But I realise it kind of starts with the mind. It starts with the mind. We have a guy that we work with, I think he's about eight months or something like Mm. that, sober. And same thing through his realisation, his awareness that, wow, I can stop or it doesn't make sense today or I don't feel it today. And it's not a chore. It's not something you have to do. It's not like you have to go jog around a block to do it. It's just something that comes naturally and it's installed in us already. Yeah. But we just not, we're just not aware of it sometimes. And I feel like that's the best thing because I'm not aware of it sometimes. Now, nowadays lives, I still get annoyed or I still have a little judgment or I still might, um, I, I do weird things. These look call me the picky eater, right? <laughs> so I don't like melted cheese, but I can eat a pizza. 
And I know that's a figure of mind. And it's, do you know what I mean? There's things like that. And they still happen. I'm still, like, I'm aware of them. They still happen. But it's, it feels better because I'm aware of it. I'm, it's not like, oh, they're two different cheese. I'm aware that <laughs> I don't like that. I'm not really good with that texture. I'm aware of these things. And it, it served me well because, um, what's the thing, the asparagus? Yeah. I don't like asparagus. But I think that Mama Jay made it the other day and I just, I just ate it and I loved it. And I realised, oh, wait, I don't like asparagus because I told myself I don't like asparagus. But when I just try it, I loved it. And all those things, I learned lessons from every day. Mm. But the best thing is that life just flows. It's in, the principles is not a fix. It mm. can't fix things. It just shows you the flow of life. And then it's up to you to go with it or fight against it. Yeah, I love what, what Omar's saying because, uh, yeah, can, shall I just say something? Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Because yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I was just thinking about how that natural flow that Omar's talking about is, is the thing, isn't it? it? You know, you don't have to fix what you don't like or what you, you know, what category mm. you're in or anything. You, you just get to see because you're curious and you're looking in that direction anyway in life, you get to see oh yeah that that's weird I don't really like asparagus but I just ate it oh and that sort of breaks it down a little bit puts a chink in that armor and I was just thinking about um so I've I've written a book about my experiences in the prison system how I started and it's a bit of memoir as well as a bit of my life story in there as well and a lot of my life story in there as well anyway I finished this book and it came to a point where I couldn't publish because one of the people um, took away the permission. They didn't want to be in the book. So it stalled for a, a while. And I got to thinking, like, what am I going to do, etc. Anyway, long story short, uh, I fictionalised some of it now. So the stories are real, but the characters are composite characters. So they're just, you know, not a real character, but real stories that I've heard from, from people. That I've worked with. Well, the magic thing that happened is that as I'm rewriting it, what I came to see was because I was so fixed on getting the story right, which already, if you think about it, is a nonsense because it's only the story from my point of view and it's only the story that I remember, which you know is there's already so many flaws in that. But anyway, I was so fixed with getting the story right and being nice to people and making sure like if I mention X facilitator if she reads it she's going to like what's being read and I, I didn't even realize I'd done that and as I'm rewriting it because I'm taking all of that out now I'm going I'm free I don't have to do that now I don't have to write about that now I don't have to make sure would that person like I'm free to write whatever I want. And it's it's going to be a way better book. Mm. It's actually going to really, truly come from my heart. And I, I didn't know that I was still people-pleasing through my book. You know, like an old habit, an old habit from childhood that I, I'm a, I used to be a people-pleaser. I didn't even know that until the rewrite came. So 
that connected with what Omar was just saying, because just of, through natural circumstances, I've had to end up looking at it again. And then I've seen through, oh, look what I was doing. Oh, wow. I didn't even know I was doing that. That's amazing. Oh, I mean, that's a metaphor for so many things. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. it's like when we make a rule around something or when we put conditions on something, it, it controls the shape of it. But when you take all of that away, that, that it's just that oh weight lifted off my shoulder that's right yeah surrender into oh that's that's beautiful and and of course like why it's a good analogy is that I didn't even know I was doing that to myself I didn't know I was tying myself up and and restricting and putting all these rules in place and I just didn't realize it and then the, the just the idea just the sort of popped into my mind you know after a while of well, just write characters, make up some characters. And, and you know, the, like I said, the stories can be true, but you don't have to say that person did that and that person did that and so on. And then the freedom that came, I was like, wow, <laughs> wow, that's what we're doing in life all the time is getting more and more restricted, seeing through it, being free again. And we, in a way, that's consciousness. Because yeah. we're, we're, we're contracting and expanding and contracting and expanding constantly. And it's just the way it is. And we don't have to, we don't have to learn about that or um, teach about that. We just have to live in that, know it, be aware mm. when we're aware, be, be graceful with ourselves when we're not aware. <laughs> mm. and, and then let it come back because life is a flow. And so it will always flow back one way or another because you can't, you can't keep, it's a struggle to keep going uphill or to keep holding on, you know, and not go in the flow. It's a struggle. And eventually you recognize the struggle and, and you think, why is this, you know, why do I feel bad? What's going on here? And then eventually you get back in the flow again, just naturally. Do you know, I love the, I love the beauty of not being aware mm. because it shows once you're aware after that, it shows you the beauty of the human body. Mm-hmm. It shows you how justified and directional and you're just ready to go that way all the way until you are aware. But I think being not aware and being in that and just saying, yeah, I'm going all the way down that way. That's beautiful because that's the system at work. Do you know what I mean? That's the whole thought process with the feelings and everything can work together and now you're down this path until you're aware of it and for me being aware of it is is the beauty of just being unaware because it's like wow I was in that I was fully I was I was going all the way <laughs> until I had the awareness and it's like wow wow you can't see how you was not seeing it in that moment if that makes sense because you've seen it now. But just appreciating that, wow, I've, I caught myself and you can catch yourself is the beauty because I know that once we justify something in our minds, it's justified. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it. It feels right to us. We'll fight all systems to do it. And it comes down to me as um, when I had uh, ADHD and dyslexia, 
And the reason why I say when I had it, because I don't have that no more. I don't, <laughs> I don't categorize myself as ADHD or dyslexia no more. And for the best of 24 years, I did. And it felt good because I can't read that because I got this. And that, that was like, this is a simple excuse, bam, bam, done. The conversation should be over now because I've got that and that I can't do that. And I can see it in my mind, that's easy. We've got a reason. If I had no reason why I couldn't do that, I'd probably get a headache, but I had a reason. I've got ADHD and dyslexia, can't do that. And I went on for 24 years like that until I was in prison one time. And after a couple of weeks of uh, the Bureau Recovery course and I was a bit bad in prison, so they took my TV and I, I was bored. And I just thought, let me just try read and write. And I taught myself to read and write and then they end up loving books. And I read books now and Mama J gives me books and I still read books. And I'm probably the only guy where I'm from that reads books. And I literally, I posted it on my phone today on social media and only one girl, she's a bit younger than me. I grew up with her. She, oh, I, I like reading books. So I'm going to buy her the book as well. And yeah. it's like, I love reading, but I never knew that for 24 years. So I see how easy it is to hold on to something. And we hold on to it because it feels justified. And it's like, it's a good reason. So yeah, that's, that's it. But that can change. That can change with a thought process. Because after I, I, I was reading a book and I'm loving it and I never thought about my ADHD dyslexia until like a week later. So like, wait, I'm I'm not meant to be able yeah. to do oh, this. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. I, thought, <laughs> I, I, forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I, was, I forgot I had all that. I forgot I wasn't able to do this stuff. Yeah. Like, and then after that, you question like, who said I wasn't able to do this? Why did I think I wasn't able to do this? Why did I carry this for 24 years? Why did I? And then you, it just gets thrown away. It's, and it's not even like you're upset, like, oh, I could have been reading for 24 years. Uh, it's just like, ah, oh, all right, I don't even need that no more. Nah, that's in the bin. Let me just continue on with this. And it, because it feels better. Do you know what I mean? I feel like if it didn't feel better, I wouldn't read or I wouldn't, but it felt good. So I've just continued that. And that's what makes me feel good. Every Wednesday, I read the books on the train and stuff, and I just love it. I look forward to it, I swear to you. I look forward to reading the book and do it because I don't really get time at home. So on my trains on the Wednesdays when I come up here, I'm on my book and on the way back, I'm on my book. And even when I walk, I'm trying to walk and read now. New skill. But <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit hard. I don't recommend it. arrive to you someday with a lump on his head. <laughs> <laughs> Epic fail. <laughs> uh, but yeah no I love it man and it's just getting rid of that thought process that I held because it I thought it was justified it's just it's it's as tangible as, as wet paper do you know what I mean and it can just disintegrate but we just hold on to it for some reason because it feels justified mm. and I see the innocence in that too because that justification we will go all out for it you know, we'll, we'll go head over heels for it. But once we see that it's created by us and it can be created different or uncreated, or then you begin to play with it a little until it forms into something that makes you feel good, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. That's another, another category, isn't it? Um, again, that we see a lot in prison is who can read and write yeah. and 
where people fall in the educational um, system and so on. And 100%, we found that people who went through our programme increased their educational attainment, their English, their writing, uh, their vocabulary increased without doing anything. So we've worked, Omar, yeah, he actively thought, I, I, I feel like I might as well read and write then, you know, and taught himself. But with other people, they haven't done that. And yet we've seen a different, a massive difference in something they've written one year to something they've written the next year. And even uh, the grading, they would get a different grade when they went back to, to education, all increased. And I used to wonder about that. And the only sense that I have made of it is that, you know, when they talk about all boats rise with the tide. Well, it's really true that when you unlock potential, there's so much potential in there. It can't help but just burst out without you even knowing it. You know, and if you hang around with people who have a different vocabulary to you, you pick up that vocabulary. And if, if you hang around in conversations, a lot of prison conversation are prison conversation aren't they you know <laughs> if you walk onto a landing and there's a group of guys paying pool you can pretty much guarantee what they'll be talking about you know and it, and it, it won't be anything very highfalutin but yet there are people who will be having those conversations who will be interested in philosophy and and astronomy and yeah. all of these other things and they find each other and then other people start to to talk like that and a lot of the work you know we we get praise for the work we did and and that's amazing and I'm grateful to that a lot of the work we did was actually done by the the foot soldiers <laughs> the people on the wings who were walking around talking to each other saying oh you know like you can give up smoking you know it's just a thought well, what do you mean it's just a thought and then having that conversation um or sometimes people preaching you know, and, and we've talked about this this morning, like we, we don't want, we don't see the need to preach and everything, but actually those people preaching brought other people into the conversation that wouldn't have been there without that preaching. So everything has its place and is perfect. And I um, really see from this position now that those little conversations, that little whisper that was going on was a was a big part of the impact. Uh, men going back to their cells and chatting outside the cell door, and someone inside overhearing something, or men not giving the books back, leaving it on top of a cabinet. Next man comes in, finds the book on his cabinet, goes, "What's this all about?" You know, I mean, it's just the stuff that is nothing to do with. Uh, you know indirectly it, it's to do with us but there's stuff that went on that is just like magic mm. <laughs> or, or, or natural that is all a big part of why the guys are around and why they're doing what they're doing now and everything else so I really see that we we just have to take care of ourselves our own side of the street 100%. just have to follow the threads turn up to what we think we're doing and then not take too much um not sort of worry so much that if i do this then you know what about if it doesn't work because equally if it looks like it is working it's not actually down to you 
<laughs> so you know you're gonna have the humility to go yeah okay i showed i showed up and shone a light but the lights that got lit were the were the what did the work and that's you know before you said that jacqueline i was just about to ask you both about the ripple effect and you literally just spoke to that <laughs> you know so you must have been reading my mind and 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 I do love that. And, and I think humility, especially, is huge with this understanding because one of the things that I've really seen lately is that, you know, starting with Sidney Banks, he had such humility in how he shared this understanding. It was to the people closest to him. And I've, you know, I've met with some of his neighbors who were part of that original group and, and how it literally just rippled down and then it rippled out to a few more. And now it's kind of, it's rippling out to more and more. And, and, and you know, it's not about changing people. And, and it's just, it's the beauty in seeing the wholeness in people and seeing that nobody is broken. You know, and that's humility, because like you said, it's not up to you. So if it works, it's it's still not you. It's it's the person doing the healing. And 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 I think that's real love, isn't it? Because you, you're removing ego from the equation and, you know, you're removing that. Oh, I did that. I fixed that person. You know, it's yeah. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. My, my ego loves it. You know, like my, my <laughs> ego loves that we did this work and we do this work and we speak often about people that we're impacting together or apart or, you know, the ripple effect. We were talking about that on the way here. Um, people that actually are just getting grounded without even being taught, you know, and things like that. My ego loves that. I love that. I, I'm really happy that I love that. And I'm okay with that. But I also know it's not really me. So, you know, I, I'd say that I've, I've got both sides. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to honour that I'm a vessel uh, that brings this, but I'm also happy to be humble and say, I, I, I know that all, all I did is, is, you know, switch the light on. <laughs> and um, uh, I enjoy both. You know, I enjoy both aspects of that. So... It's it's part of being human, isn't it, to acknowledge what you've done and and be be good with that and to 100%. take that gratitude that people are offering. And I was talking to someone yesterday about when someone praises you or compliments you, you're doing a disservice to turn it away or to say, oh no, it's not me. Or you're doing that person a disservice because they're really saying, I, I see a light in you, which means that I see a light in me. And I'd like to honor that. And so that's by accepting that, that's what namaste, namaste means. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And by accepting that, you're you're honoring their light too. Yeah. I think that what I loved about what you said, because the ego does love it. Mm. But the best thing is the ego doesn't drive. <laughs> Yeah, the ego doesn't drive. The ego's the passenger, and he, he loves the the love is the driver right now. Yeah. So, or better so, still, uh, when the ego is in the child seat, strapped ego. into the back. In the back with a helmet on as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. 
And love tells him what's going on and he loves it. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But love is the driver. And I think that's the beauty of it because ego does love it, but it's not driving. No, it's and I know what it's like to drive with ego. Do you know what I mean? Ego fuels everything. But when love's fueling that and ego's just a passenger, I, I, I feel exactly what you're saying. I feel yeah. it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I could talk to the two of you all day long. We have work to do. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I just, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much, uh, both for joining me and for for uh, sharing your insights and, and what you're seeing and your your wisdom. It's been beautiful. Thank you, Tracy. And likewise, and uh, we've we've loved being with you. And hello to everyone out there. Hey. <laughs> we'll be happy to come back anytime. Anytime. Super. Thank you very much.